Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to our third panel today on the uh, impact of July 15th coup attempt on Turkish-American relations. And uh, we know that uh, even before July 15th coup attempt, Turkish-American relations had a, a lot of up and downs, especially uh, about the question in Syria. And following July 15th coup attempt, uh, especially until late December 2019, just before the COVID actually, the relation uh, went through a lot of crisis and a lot of tensions. And uh, we have two uh, excellent panelists today who have been in the policy making circles during these critical times in Turkish American relations. We will talk about the impact of July 15 coup attempt on the relations between two countries and the expectations of our panelists about the future of uh, these relations. So uh, let me start with Ambassador uh, Jeffrey. Ambassador, uh, tell us a little bit about how July 15 coup attempt was perceived in Washington and what was the impact of this coup attempt to Turkish-American relations? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Kalish. Uh, uh, good to be uh, back with Seta. Good to be here today. Uh, first of all, a few general comments on the coup. Uh, it's very important to understand because that's one of the problems in Washington. This wasn't understood that this was a coup by a terrorist organization, the Fatula Berlin organization, against a democratic system and against a NATO ally. As such, and given the very high casualties and the um, uh, risk to democracy and to governance in Turkey from this uh, well-planned coup, uh, that it was a very, very serious effort. And uh, the uh, democratic system and stability in Turkey was saved by the rapid actions of its government leaders, beginning with President Erdogan, and also by the people who essentially rose up to stop the coup. Uh, and there's a lesson for all of us, including us Americans. We've gone through the Civil War. We went through something, something similar at our U.S. Congress on the 6th of January, uh, 2020, uh, 2021 rather, unfortunately. And uh, uh, I think that Americans should have understanding. The problem is they didn't. Uh, the initial American reaction to the coup was confused, was slow, and focused on uh, inconveniences to American military operations in Syria caused by the closure of Inchilik uh, and uh, alleged human rights violations. Who can ever forget John Kerry's threat to throw Turkey out of NATO right after Turkey had survived a near existential or an existential coup attempt uh, over uh, Kerry's concerns about human rights? Now, these concerns were not totally uh, wrong, but under those circumstances, right after the coup, uh, they were certainly out of place. And that reflects a deeper problem in the relationship. This coup and the strong Turkish reaction to it by the Turkish people, their commitment at the cost of some lives to democracy should have strengthened our relationship. It should have made us realize that while we have our differences with the current Turkish leader, uh, it's, uh, he is a democratically elected leader and uh, what's out there, if we're not careful, could be much more uh, dangerous. The fact that Washington didn't grasp this, and I would also say, oh, this is Ahmed Bey's uh, portfolio to talk about this, that Turks also didn't uh, react as well as I would have hoped. 
uh, although again, there was a lot of problems in Washington, uh, shows the underlying tensions in a relationship that is very important and in terms of the core national interests of very, both countries, very, very productive. What we have seen Turkey do, for example, in the last two years on every single front, Syria, Libya, the Caucasus, reigning in Iranian terrorists just last month, reaching out throughout the Middle East, reaching out to Greece, reaching out to uh, Armenia, uh, but above all else, being a really stalwart buttress against Russia as Russia moves into Ukraine. No one could replace Turkey. So uh, the relationship really should be stronger than alas it is. That reflects underlying problems in the relationship. That is, first of all, uh, the Americans didn't understand the Petula Gulen movement. That is a flaw of our analysis and reporting, both from the standpoint of the US government and from uh, the standpoint of the American media. Uh, and it also reflected the extraordinary propaganda skills of the Gulenist movement. They should never be uh, denied. Only one American official who I'm not allowed to name ever did much reporting on the Golanus movement before 2016. The uh, uh, reaction, first of all, was, gee, is this real? Is this something that President Erdogan has cooked up? It took Washington days to get out of that fixation with, we have to know all the facts. To their credit, the White House, President Obama, was reaching out immediately to try to know what happened. This has nothing to do with Turkey. Believe me, I worked for President Obama for four years. He is, as we say, look before you leap. That's his nature. Nine times out of 10, that's the right course of action for a politician or a leader. Uh, but there's the 10th time. The Turkish coup was the 10th time. Putin got it right, we got it wrong. Let's face it. It's one of these things of, well, gee, uh, if it is a real coup, we damn well better respond right now. But even if it isn't a real coup, we don't lose anything by responding right now. You know, that's the kind of sloppy uh, logic that people in the trenches like me use in diplomacy. President Obama wanted to be very specific. Uh, that lack of leadership led, we call them the uh, mattress mice, including the head of our uh, national intelligence, the commander in uh, the Middle East, and alas, John Kerry himself, to say a whole series of stupid things about the coup in Turkey. Uh, the problem was, first of all, and as I said, this is Ahmed's job to outline this, that irritated everybody in Turkey, adding to the problems we already had with the fact that the uh, uh, in, inspiration for the coup at a minimum, Petula Gulen was sitting in Pennsylvania. But then, uh, because uh, that led to an understandable Turkish reaction, and Washington never fixed this thing. I mean, I don't know of any official who has come out and stated as clearly as I just did the facts about this coup. Yet there's nobody in Washington, nowhere in the intelligence community or any place, uh, an alternative uh, opinion. Washington, embarrassed now over three administrations, just ignores the coup. But it is crucially important to the people of Turkey. It's like 9-11 to us and the American uh, political leadership didn't understand that. Uh, the foreign policy community, which is both official and unofficial, basically either ignored that or, you know, reflected, how can I put it, 
cynical skepticism towards everything that was coming out of Turkey. And the result was uh, a uh, further deterioration in a relationship where this should have been a huge step forward. Uh, you know, we should be proud of our Turkish allies. We should be proud of the Turkish people. We should be proud of how we've worked together for all these years and how our example, their own examples, the past contributed to the heroic efforts of the Turkish people to preserve democracy. I mean, isn't that what we want in the world? I'll rest my case there. Thank you very much, Ambassador Jeffrey. Uh, Ambassador Yildiz, your perspective about how July 15 coup attempt uh, impact Turkish-American relations? Kılıç, indeed, uh, Ambassador Jeffrey summarized what most of what I should say. Because when uh, uh, this coup attempt happened, it was my last days in the presidency as advisor to President Erdogan. I was about to move to foreign minister, return to the foreign minister as deputy minister. So uh, I knew before and after in the first time because I had accompanied President Erdogan in his telephone calls meetings, both with President Obama and Vice President Biden at that time. And later, of course, I followed in the ministry. Uh, of course, this coup attempt happened at a time that, at a time when the trust between the two countries uh, started eroding due to uh, PKK, PYD, YPG uh, support uh, by uh, the US and uh, delivery of weapons to them. And unfortunately, some uh, rhetoric. I sometimes say that uh, President Obama was saying that uh, Kurds will continue after the uh, war, the whole Turkish-Syrian border. So, uh, of course, as Ambassador said, uh, there was vague uh, attitude in Washington, D.C. about the, how to describe this coup attempt, how to react, and how to address the Turkish uh, extradition request and also Turkish request for closure of schools, affiliated schools to this organization. So Kılıç Bey and Ambassador, these uh, cause that most of the Turkish people, at least some of the Turkish people, started thinking that US may be behind this. I disagree with this, but it caused this uh, skepticism or doubt uh, in some Turkish public, and unfortunately, it was supported by some columnists, some uh, political rhetoric with uh, by some unwarranted guys. Uh, certainly, uh, as you and Ambassador will recall, Branson case followed, and it uh, paid huge damage to our relations to Turkish economy and to the trust between the two countries. Uh, and others followed, of course, uh, but Br Branson case was somehow uh, a consequence of this coup attempt. And it was a, a huge uh, detriment to, to the relations, to, to mainly to Turkish economy and anti-American and anti-Western sentiments in Turkey. 
Now I serve as also chair of the Turkish delegation in the Council of Europe parliamentary delegation. I witnessed that in my delegation in, in Europe side also. We are trying to overcome this. Uh, I listened to previous speaker in the previous panel about anti-Americanism in Turkey. It is not just because American, also because of uh, discrimination by the Europe ambassador knows it very well from his service by the European Union against Turkey, against Turkish people. Sometimes Turkish people takes West as a whole, as a whole and judge it as a whole. Uh, Kılıç Bey, I think if we return to positive mood in discussing our problems, our issues, we can overcome most of this with good faith. Kılıç can audience cannot hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, apologies. Uh, so uh, I start to receive some questions now from the audience uh, for our panelists. And uh, there are several issue areas between Turkish-American relations. And while discussing uh, the immediate impact of July 15 coup attempt, let's look forward and see uh, what are the main issues and what can be done between uh, Turkish, what can happen between Turkish-American in Turkish-American relations in the next a few years. The first question is about Syria, and Syria has been one of the fault lines in Turkish-American relations for since the beginning of the actually the Syrian crisis. Uh, the question is if Turkey launches uh, for Ambassador Jeffrey, if Turkey launches uh, a new operation in northern Syria, how does Ambassador Jeffrey think it will affect Turkish-US relations? And how will the Biden administration react different than the Trump administration? And with this, uh, I'm, I want to ask, uh, is there any way to resolve this uh, major disagreement between Turkey and U.S. Uh, regarding Syria? Uh, I think it is already resolved, but I'll get back to that. Sure. Uh, I'll get to the question of uh, if the Turks launched an operation into an underlying northeast Syria, that is, either to the east or to the west of where they did the Peace Spring operation between the Euphrates and the Iraqi border, uh, that would devastate U.S.-Turkish uh, relations because that would probably force the Biden administration to either have to withdraw its troops or have its troops defend its territory against the NATO ally. Uh, the Trump administration, of course, uh, and the uh, Obama administration um, looked at that and said, we're not going to do that. But if we withdraw our troops, then the entire struggle against the Islamic State in Syria, where the Islamic State is far more powerful than in Iraq, will be over. And the United States and the other 80 nations, and believe me, I've dealt with all of them, will blame Turkey for having done that, because the, Islam because the Islamic State is still seen as a threat, certainly as a threat to Turkey. It has probably killed more Turks 
in the last uh, uh, seven years than I can think of any other terrorist group uh, in a whole series of attacks in 2015, 2016. And it, of course, destabilizes uh, much of Iraq and Syria, which is of interest to Turkey. So it's an important thing. Uh, and thus, if the United States were to uh, uh, withdraw, I don't think such an attack is likely. I think that if you take the Turkish comments seriously, it is a 30-kilometer deep buffer zone uh, south of the Turkish border. The Turkish forces have had that since October 2019 in the central sector. In the other two sectors, uh, west to the Euphrates and east to the Iraqi border, you're dealing with Russian forces in that area and what's called the Sochi Agreement of October 2019 with the Russians. So if the Turks wanted to move into that area down to the 30-kilometer mark, they would have to deal with the Russians, other than in a few areas where there are American troops. But still, that would be uh, seen as undermining the whole struggle against uh, uh, the Islamic State. In terms of why I think the uh, issue is resolved, I think that uh, it isn't resolved because Turkey is happy or the United States is happy. It's just that we have uh, different priorities in Syria. The United States and Turkey both are opposed to the PKK, they're opposed to the Islamic State, they're opposed to Iran, they're opposed to Russia, and they're opposed to Assad. There's a lot of things to be opposed to in Syria, but the priorities are different. Uh, and that's not uh, uh, unusual in diplomacy. Therefore, the United States has been very supportive of Turkey and Idlib in the most recent negotiations for the crossing that uh, resulted in a six-month extension in building up support, including in NATO, for uh, Turkey's defense of Idlib in 2020. Uh, and of course, the United States, um, and I have to say, this is something we did not do in the Trump administration to the credit of the uh, Biden administration. Turkey has been brought into the small group consultations uh, with Syria uh, with the United States and with a handful of the key European and uh, uh, Middle Eastern states. That's very important and very good. And Turkey, of course, is a strong supporter of the UN effort. So on most things, we agree. Now, a brief history of the problem with the SDF. Uh, initially, in 2014, Turkey was basically supportive of the U.S. and the uh, uh, Peshmerga from Iraq supporting the YPG in the fighting in Kobani. Uh, at that time, there was, of course, a ceasefire with the PKK. There were contacts between the YPG's civilian wing, the, wing, the uh, PYD, and uh, top officials in Ankara. Everybody knows that. Uh, two things changed between 2015 and 2016. First of all, the ceasefire broke down between the Turkish government and the PKK. So the threat of the PKK became more obvious. Secondly, as the United States uh, expanded its presence in northeast Syria, the idea gained credence that we could use the SDF, which of course is by no, at the time it was the YPG, as it's no surprise, it's a highly disciplined ideological organization because it's an offshoot of the PKK and its top leadership do not deny that, they never have to me. Uh, and therefore, they are very good at fighting. Uh, and so the US military said, hey, we found people who are good at fighting against the Islamic State. Let's have them be our 
partner in moving into the Arab areas, uh, first across the Euphrates into Mombich, which was unnecessary and a mistake. I think we did that because that's exactly what the YPG asked for. And then uh, far more reasonable from our standpoint, south into uh, Arab areas around Raqqa, Dar es That was problematic for Turkey, of course, because you now had a PKK offshoot that was not just defending, if you will, majority Kurdish areas of Syria from uh, onslaught of the Islamic State, but you had it building a 100,000 strong army, uh, much of it Arab, moving into uh, Arab areas, eventually 30% of uh, Syria. So I, per I understand perfectly well the Turkish concern about this, because what happens if the United States goes away? Uh, we had guarantees from the uh, YPG, which we then renamed the Syrian Democratic Forces, but the guarantees were that they would not attack Turkey out of northeast uh, Syria. But those guarantees would not be uh, of any value once the United States forces left, obviously. So there is a real, so from Turkey's perspective, long term, this is a threat. From the United States' perspective, short term, uh, focused on the Islamic State, which we're still worried about. Uh, this was a uh, necessary um, a means to deal with a larger end. Uh, now, Turkey made its point very clear in going in, in October of 2019. We now have an agreement. The agreement has been in place now for almost three years. And I think that uh, it has allowed a stabilization of all of the areas in Syria. The good news is uh, there are no more major attacks by anybody against anyone in Syria, other than occasionally an Islamic State attack against the Syrian government and uh, U.S. attacks against the uh, Islamic State. So the country is essentially, it isn't a frozen conflict, it's a set of frozen conflicts, frozen between Turkey and the PKK offshoot, uh, all but frozen not frozen between America and others in the Islamic State, that's the only exception, uh, but frozen between uh, the Turks and the Russians, uh, frozen between in Idlib, the Turks and the uh, uh, Assad regime, also in the uh, uh, Euphrates Shield area and in uh, Afrin. Uh, there is a ceasefire uh, in Al-Tamp, although the uh, Iranians are violating that against our forces. Uh, but still, it's basically a ceasefire, and there's a ceasefire in the southwest. So you have this whole set of ceasefires. It's in the interest, we think, of everybody that none of these ceasefires be violated, even by our NATO ally, uh, Turkey, because right now, freezing this conflict with half the population not under Assad's control, with roughly 40% of the country not under Assad's control, it's either occupied by uh, Turkish forces, the uh, Syrian opposition by American forces, and uh, uh, the SDF, uh, and the kind of economic pressure we're putting on Assad, we are limiting the threat from Syria, Russia, and uh, Iran. And that threat is not only direct, we know their history with the PKK. Uh, we know where Ojalan had refuge up until 1999. Uh, and we know who the uh, Iranians are working with in northern Iraq right now, in Sinjar and other places. So uh, it's really very, very important to maintain the ceasefire. 
and uh, the Turks make the position of principle that we should not engage terrorists or fight against terrorists. And we nod and we make the case that we shouldn't upset a whole set of ceasefires on a place so important and that has seen so much uh, death as Syria. And, uh, but in general, I think we can both live with this. Thank you very much, Mr. Ambassador. Ambassador Yildiz, your perspective on the Syria and whether uh, Turkish demands and concerns were uh, responded or uh, handled uh, uh, in, a, uh, in a good fashion by the United States and its allies over there? Oh, Kılıç Bey, I served in Syria twice when during Bashar Assad time as DCM of DCM of Turkish Embassy. Of course, but I was in presidency during the uh, and deputy foreign minister during the war. Uh, of course, Syria is the main issue for Turkey, and it is the consequence of a change of mistakes uh, by many allies. Of course, uh, when the war escalated and the regime attacks, brutal attacks against civilians, Turkey asked a common approach from the allies, a common reaction. Uh, but unfortunately, at that time, uh, many allies said that this is not NATO's business. Of course, it is not NATO's business, but NATO members could do more. Uh, by establishing somehow safe zones within Syria to protect civilians, to prevent the migration. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, so I remember very well the US and especially the Europeans said that we don't want to send even one boot to the ground. So Turkey had to uh, apply its uh, project its forces. Now, if we can achieve the objectives, security objectives of Turkey without resorting to further military operation, it is okay. But if we cannot achieve this, US and other allies should be more empathetic to Turkey. Uh, Turkey has 900 kilometers border. Some of them is controlled by Turkish forces now, but most is either by regime, by uh, PKK offshoots, offshoots. Uh, so uh, I'm sure if Turkey deems it necessary for its security, it will make operations as it did in the past. The numbers uh, in my notes are different what Ambassador said. Since 2020, there are uh, more than 1,700 attacks against Turkey by PKK offshoots. 25 soldiers died, around 400 civilians died. So uh, I hope the uh, objective, security objective will be achieved through peaceful means. But if the operation is necessary, Turkey, of course, uh, in uh, consultation with allies, in, in, inform the allies about it. Uh, let's hope uh, it will not be necessary. But Syria remains still the issue, number one issue for Turkey. Of course, Turkey always preferred UN brokered solution uh, with support of friends of Syria, but we couldn't achieve this. Uh, Islamic State is 
problem for everybody, especially for Turkey as a bordering country. We made operations against them, both in Syria and Iraq. I personally know uh, firsthand because I served as ambassador also in Mosul when Ambassador Jeffrey was in Iraq, I think, in, in Baghdad, I think. Uh, they attacked Turkish interests and we replied by oper operations. So Turkey takes both PKK, PYD, YPG and Islamic State at the terror organization and fight against all without discrimination. I wish as Turkish MP, now I am not in diplomacy, I am a uh, member of parliament. I wish Turkey and US return to coordination in Syria and to reorganize their common effort as they did in 2012-13-14 before starting uh, supplying uh, PYD, YPG. It poisoned everything, of course. There are a lot of business in Syria to to stabilize country, to achieve peace, uh, drafting the constitution, return of migrants, and of course, political transition. In the past, both countries uh, have uh, coordinated a lot, very well on these issues, but now we are apart due to reasons uh, both Ambassador and I mentioned. Uh, but this Syria is the main security concern still Due, both due to regime's attacks and possible further attacks on the civilians in Idlib and continued PKK via PYD, YPG attacks and Islamic State, of course. We expect United States Administration President Biden to be more empathetic to Turkish security needs and concerns. Uh, Syria cannot be stabilized, uh, in my opinion, without uh, Turkish-US coordination. I understand now some Russian troops are uh, moving away uh, because of Ukraine, maybe to support uh, their troops uh, in Ukrainian territory. Uh, I don't know much about what Russia is planning, how the regime these days uh, is planning what to do. But in my opinion, it is good time for the U.S. and Turkey to return to coordination in Syria. Thank you very much. Ambassador Jeffrey, there's a question about F-16 deal. And uh, during President Erdogan's meeting with President Biden in G20 in Rome and then in Madrid for uh, during the NATO summit, this issue has become one of the most significant issues between two leaders. What do you expect about F-16 deals? Do you think the congressional opposition would make a negative uh, effect to this uh, deal between two countries? Um, first of all, I think it was a very uh, smart diplomatic move uh, for Turkey, even though it had been pulled out of the F-35 program to make this suggestion that its Air Force be modernized with updated F-16s. I think everybody should greet that. Uh, it was a uh, very, very wise compromise. Uh, and Washington perceived it that way. Uh, but Washington, you know, perceives many things positively and acts on a minority of them. Uh, aside from Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, 
commenting on the American support for this, we didn't see a lot of energy. Well, to get a major arms sale through, be it with Egypt, Saudi Arabia, or Turkey, requires a whole lot of top-level emphasis. We hadn't seen that. Now, with the uh, conversations that President Biden has had with President Erdogan in the past month, and with the continued key, crucial, I can't find enough adjectives, role that Turkey is playing every day at something new in the Ukraine crisis, be it the Dardanelles, be it the uh, uh, shipments of grain out, be it negotiations, uh, be it uh, the uh, weapons transfers, uh, the diplomatic support, and at the same time, the actions Turkey has taken against Iran. Uh, this uh, strongly suggests that Washington should support it. The problem is, no matter what Turkey does, good or less good, there is a large a lobby in the American Congress opposed to doing anything to Turkey. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, well, one of our defense ministers speaking of the Russians said, you know, when we build up our forces, the Russians build up our forces. When we draw down our forces, the Russians continue to build up our forces. It's the same thing with Congress and Turkey. When Turkey is doing things that the Congress has some real concerns about, Congress is very negative. When Turkey is doing across the board all the right things, and right now I would say you're doing all the right things, which is why I'm a bit worried again about an uh, incursion into Syria, uh, you still get a lot of trouble from Congress. Most recently, uh, just today or yesterday, they put uh, language into the F-16, uh, um, and I want to see that cl closely to see if it has changed, because here there is a problem, and this is Turkey's fault. Uh, I have verified with the Department of State that the Greek claims that Turkish aircraft overfly not Turkish-claimed airspace, because we also don't accept their 10-mile airspace over six-mile seas, not into the fur, the uh, uh, flight uh, information uh, region, because we don't accept that as a national boundary either, but over Greek territory, over Greek territory, period. Uh, and if that's so, that's a mistake, and Congress has uh, put a uh, uh, condition on the sale of the F-16s to the administration, so the administration is going to have to work through this. If it is these other things that we often hear from Greece about uh, the overflights in the Aegean and such, I think this is unfortunate because it, it's not Turkey's fault. This is Greek make, Greece making sovereign claims that nobody else accepts, uh, analogous to the Chinese in the South China Sea. But uh, territory is territory, so that has to be worked out. Uh, apart from that, I think that the F-16 sale should go through, uh, but it's going to require President Biden uh, making a few phone calls, and that's simply the nature of how you do these things. Thank you very much. Ambassador, Ambassador Yildiz, the, uh, there is a question about the potential impact of the war in Ukraine, Russia-Ukraine war, for the Turkish-American relations. What do you expect uh, if the, in a prolongation of this war, how could it impact Turkish-American relations? Indeed, uh, Ukraine, of course, uh, is a brutal war of aggression by Russia against a sovereign country. I, in my opinion, I think otherwise. It should be a catalyst uh, to repair the relations and to enhance NATO and to return to basics of the collective defense. 
uh, in the Council of Europe, every day we talk uh, about Ukraine. And Ukraine delegation, Ukraine MPs are very happy what Turkey is doing for Ukraine. Before the start of war, of course, after the illegal annexation of Crimea and invasion of part of Donbas, uh, and before, but before 24th of uh, February this year, uh, I, everybody in in the fora I uh, serve, everybody is happy and positive about what Turkey is doing, both as mediation uh, and and also, also about uh, Turkey-Ukraine defense industry relationship uh, and other contributions by Turkey to Ukraine. So I expect that uh, this, uh, this war should, uh, should be an opportunity, should be taken as an opportunity to, to enhance uh, the relationship. But Kılıç Bey, what bothers me here? is the language of threat and sanctions. It, it never worked in the relations with Turkey. It, it will never work. Uh, even, it even uh, weakens and uh, hampers the Article 5 commitment in NATO, in Turkish public opinion, in Tur Turkish military folks, in among diplomats also. Let me explain that way. Uh, allies, some allies, including the US, Swedes, and others, uh, they sanctioned Turkey on defense industry products, in ships, planes, aircrafts, missiles, and others, and rockets. It weakens, it aims to weaken Turkish capability. And it determines interoperability within NATO. You and I mean the allies, such allies, uh, by doing that, weaken Turkish defense capability and expect Turkish public to believe that they will come to Turkish defense in case of attack by a non-NATO country, enemy. So this is a very problematic issue. Uh, Ukraine should be a lesson. Allies shouldn't sanction against each other. And I am. I hope that the U.S. will not be direct into Turkish-Greek disputes. There are many disputes in Turkey. Every day we talk, we protest each other, we argue each other. It is a very complex one, not just one issue, as Greek uh, uh, claims. Uh, I am sure from his service in Turkey, ambassador knows that. At the end, these two countries should find a way to solve these issues. But if other allies are direct into it, it will complicate it. It happened that uh, it, it, the consequence still now is that way, especially by the European allies. Uh, Bey, what I think is that uh, Turkey and US, if they cooperate on many issues, it, it will result in masterpieces, like we did in Baku Tbilis Jehan pipeline. At that time, whole Europe was against it. Turkey, US uh, did it. Now it serves the energy security of whole Europe. 
For example, these days we can focus on Mediterranean energy resources, possibly to connect it to Turkish infrastructure, we have huge network of uh, pipelines. We can transport it to, with, uh, through, with Turkish infrastructure uh, to Europe. We can uh, cooperate on areas like Libya. I'm, I appreciate Ambassador mentioned it. Turkish diplomacy and Turkish military advisors did a very successful master of art job there. And Libya also is very important for energy security uh, of whole world, but especially Europe. So we can, we should focus uh, on the positive agenda. Uh, Ukraine uh, war, in my opinion, it will prolong. Uh, when you listen to the statements by Russians, especially by President Putin, of course, Ukrainian people has all the rights to expect from free world supply of weapons for their defense. Uh, so, and uh, this will cause the prolongation of the war. We should uh, take our measures accordingly for a long war, food security, energy security, and support of the Ukrainian people. This requires close cooperation between NATO allies. And in my opinion, uh, Kılıç Bey, Ambassador, well, I don't know what he will think about it. Turkish European, Turkish membership in the EU should be addressed this time. Otherwise, this uh, mutual mistrust between Turkey and the EU will continue to poison the relations. If Turkey is in the EU or got an irreversible perspective and it will contribute to the resolution of the Turkey, uh, Greek, uh, Greece disputes. Uh, I, I am sure that Turkish people uh, till now severely discriminated by the EU, especially by some major EU countries, expect that but if it doesn't happen, these uh, arguments, counter-arguments will continue uh, forever. These days, uh, EU, unfortunately, uh, goes in the opposite direction. Thank you very much. Actually, you responded a question that comes about how serious is Turkey uh, about EU membership. You just responded to that. Uh, Ambassador Jeffrey, do you want to add anything to... Uh, sure, sure. That, Three quick sure. points. One, uh, the U.S. has long, and I personally, as ambassador, have supported Turkey in the European Union. Uh, Turkey has some work to do, uh, and um, uh, Ahmed Bey knows this with his contacts with the European uh, um, Council on Human Rights, but uh, Turkey is uh, in every way a legitimate European Union uh, partner and member in the future that would make the European Union far stronger. Two, he, with the exception for, for us existential technical reasons of the F-35 uh, transfer, uh, I've never seen a arms embargo or uh, uh, blockage of arms sales to Turkey or frankly any place else 
since uh, 1974 that's made any sense. Uh, it is absolutely uh, awful. It hurts us. It hurts our uh, defense industry when we need it. It hurts our allies. And as Ahmed says, it raises questions about our reliability. What I can say, however, is I think it's more likely that the United States will come to your defense in a war than it is uh, that it will sell you a specific piece of equipment. The reason is that it's the president who makes these decisions to support countries in time of danger. It's the Congress, unfortunately, that makes the decision on arms transfers. That's a flaw in our system uh, emanating from uh, the internal debate around the Vietnam War, and it's no sense trying to revisit it. It's a fact of life, and it's very hard for Turkey uh, to get these weapon systems. Uh, as I said, no matter what Turkey does or doesn't do. Uh, and then the final thing, he's absolutely right. It was a wise words. I've followed the Greek-Turkish disputes for a long time. And this is terrain that the only American I trust to even know about the details of both sides is myself, and I'm out of government. And the idea of the United States taking one or two issues where Greece makes a better argument than another's and supporting it without looking at the universality of these things uh, is a major, major mistake and will just get us in trouble. It got us in trouble in the 1980s when suddenly Limnos appeared on uh, NATO uh, manning documents uh, for our defense forces. That's how far it goes if you don't uh, be careful. And I'm not so sure we're being careful. So I agree with him on that as well. But again, I have to come back to the overflights. That's one issue that uh, the Greeks are right on. It's the first one in a long time where I can see 100% Greek uh, uh, justification for their complaints. And if they are true, they should be stopped, period. Thank you very much. Ambassador, uh, the last set of questions actually, Ambassador, there's a question about President Biden's visit to the uh, Middle East, uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia. Do you think this visit will have any impact on Turkish-American relations, given the Turkish uh, change in Turkish foreign policy towards these countries as well? Absolutely. This visit is historic. First of all, it shows that the United States is finally moving to a sensible policy towards the Middle East, neither trying to transform it as we did from after 9-11 until the end of Obama's first administration. And Turkey, more than any, anyone else, knows how stupid all of those things were. Our problems in Afghanistan, with, despite much Turkish help, our problems in Iraq, the problems in Libya, the problems in Syria, and on and on. Uh, secondly, then we had this idea of pivoting out of the region. That also impacted Turkey's interests and everybody else's. Now the principle is, given the threats to the international order that we see in Ukraine and elsewhere, to work by, with, and through our regional partners. Turkey is, along with Israel, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Emirates, and Jordan, a key partner. And there are others that are also important, but those are certainly the most, uh, the most powerful states. Uh, with those states uh, working together with us, and Turkey now has much better relations with all of them than it did a year ago, uh, I think that we can maintain stability in the region and continue to deal with the overall global problems that we have from climate to COVID to Russia and China. So I'm very, very happy with this visit. 
And this visit will encourage President Biden also with Turkey, because it will show that there are benefits to reaching out to countries that may have differences. Look, we have many human rights problems with Turkey, even emanating from uh, uh, 2016. My predecessor at the Wilson Center is still under accusations of having been involved in a coup. There are a lot of problems that uh, we have, just as we have problems with Egypt, just as we have problems with uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, just as we have problems with Israel in the West Bank, uh, including the recent shooting of a uh, American citizen journalist for Al Jazeera. That said, what President Biden is learning is, at the end of the day, these countries want to see American ships bobbing up and down off their coasts. And they're standing with us against countries that don't want to see that. Russia and Iran are the most relevant to Turkey. That's a very blunt, brutal, and simplistic way of putting it. But I think it's the best way, and I think President Biden gets it. So I think this visit is really important for Turkey as much as for Israel or Saudi Arabia. Thank you very much. And the last question for Ambassador Yildiz about uh, uh, the uh, PKK. And uh, the question is, uh, does Ambassador Yildiz think it is possible to start a new process with the PKK since PKK is weak right now? Coach Bey, as uh, a Turkish MP and head of Turkish delegation in the Council of Europe, I am personally an institution. I am in constant dialogue with HDP, a, a political party in, in Turkish parliament. Some, most of MPs are Kurdish, some others are from different ethnic and religious backgrounds. This is the way, the right way, I think, to do this. Instead of uh, waiting, uh, unfairly waiting from the government, again, to, uh, to enter negotiations with a terror organization. Uh, I uh, agree with the idea, the basic idea that uh, this, these issues and expectations by uh, Turkish people of Kurdish origin should be addressed in a legitimate political way. But uh, if the uh, question means the, the uh, uh, return to the so-called solution process or peace process, uh, it will be out of question with the PKK. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ambassador. Thank you, Ambassador Jeffrey. Thank you, Ambassador Yildiz, for the uh, this excellent panel. And we are closing our panel series on July 15th, coup attempt now. Uh, One uh, issue, of course, is food security. Food security. Yeah. And I think U.S. and Turkey are the, in the best position to address this issue, to cooperate on this issue which Turkish government is uh, working uh, in a focused way this way, these days. I hope the uh, executive guys uh, from both countries will cooperate to achieve this. Inshallah. 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 Thank you very much. And uh, in this, uh, after while completing this last panel, we uh, one more time remember those who lost their lives and did uh, ultimate sacrifice during the uh, coup attempt uh, in July 15. And thank you for participating to our panel. Thank you, Ambassador Jeffrey. Thank you, Ambassador Yildiz. And we hope to see you again in our other panels. Thanks a lot.
Thank bye you. Bye. Bye, Mr.